1: Welcome to the show, IB Nation Sports Talk, up and running once again. It's a uh, it's it's back to, I guess, somewhat normal. Sean Stiers, Jesse Stiers, how are you tonight, Jess?
2: I'm doing well. This is a normal Tuesday, for what it's worth.
1: I guess that's true. It is a a fairly normal Tuesday. We've got Notre Dame and Navy coming up Saturday in Baltimore, noon kickoff. it's it's, it's like. We've got a primetime game sandwiched around two noon games, but I don't know about you, but it seems like this season has just flown by. I was sitting here thinking about this today. We've only got three games left in the regular season. Has it flown? Has it gone by fast for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, this entire fall (laughs) has gone by pretty fast. But in general, the college football season has gone by relatively quickly as well. It's like I can, I it feels like. Just last week, it was the Marshall game, but here we are rolling into uh, Navy week coming up. So, yeah, it's definitely flown by for me as well.
1: That's right. Salty is uh, in the house. Happy Tuesday, voting for the whiteboard. And Jesse has a little whiteboard coming up for us in a little bit. Connor, Connor Patton, Ivy Nation. What's up? Charlie Weiss's last belt whoop, yo father and son showtime. That's right. That's right. It is. Glad to have you with us, though, here tonight. I tell you what, it's been a great start to the week at Irish Breakdown. It's an amazing what a big win will do. We've had a lot of people jumping in, you know, whatever podcasts. Obviously, you and Vince man things yesterday. I wasn't here, but I was talking to Brian today, and it was just a slamming podcast download day yesterday at Irish Breakdown. So thanks to everybody. Great to have you here. And let me just say, if you're new here welcome uh if you are coming back after being away for a while welcome back you know and I know some of you did but welcome back glad to have you along I mean you're here because the win over Clemson we could probably just sit here and talk more about Notre Dame Clemson if you want Jess I know you you know you and Vince were part of the post game show and and all that and you did the show yesterday so you might be tired of talking about Clemson. I don't know. Like, is everyone else tired of talking about Clemson at this point? What do you think?
2: No, I, I still think, and I think that the people deserve to hear your opinion as well about Clemson. We haven't heard <laughs> the voice of Sean Sires and, and what he thought of the game and some of your, you know, your, your, your thoughts that you took away from the game and things like that. I think everyone might be tired of hearing Vince and I and might need a new kind of added fresh perspective. But there's more things today that I think that, that we could go into depth to. Uh, as well and kind of give up like the wrap up, you know, the final kind of our closing thoughts uh, on what Clemson and everything that it's, that's uh, kind of become of it or the results of the, of the win over Clemson.
1: Tyler was there storm in the field. This is going to become, you know, like one of those old tales, you know, 20 years down the road, you know, there were 80,000 people at Notre Dame stadium, a million people are going to be saying, "I was there that night, and I stormed the field the night." In Notre Dame. Well, Brian <laughs> and Vince swear
2: that it, it's the loudest it's ever been. How did you feel about the volume and, like, you know that that sort of thing, and kind of maybe in comparison to to other loud environments that you've been in?
1: You know, it's funny because one, I didn't go outside like they did. Maybe I should have. You know, they went out to take the pictures and stuff like that before the game and they, and they said it was really loud. They had, and Vince, Vince might've talked to you about this. They had the windows, you know, they've got the full windows don't open in this box. They've got like those up windows that kind of, you know, full open like a quarter of the way or, or whatever. And because the wind was gusting so hard, it literally slammed those windows shut. So like right up until the game started, we could hear outside. And then when the game started, it was, you know, it was, it was muffled sound. So it was hard for me to tell. And I wasn't down on the field after the game. Like, I, I will say, you know, Bush push game 2005, that was a very loud game. Like even Michigan, what was that? Four years ago at this point, that was a pretty loud game. But I mean, this was this was a night game. This was Notre Dame-Clemson. One, I was surprised because people were really fearful of the orange factor coming in and, and taking over the stadium and all that. They saw these, Clemson people outside the stadium. Personally, I didn't see like I saw some Clemson people. I didn't see a lot of Clemson people when I was walking in, but it uh you know it turned out that there was not a huge Clemson factor there. The band was there which I didn't even realize until I read about it afterwards. Like I don't remember hearing the Clemson band because there was so much other noise and and all that kind of stuff, but uh I mean it was a great environment for sure. And you you get these night games and all that stuff. I would be in favor you know like did we really need the Stanford game being at night? Maybe from a recruiting aspect that helps, but like this was obviously the premier primetime game. It needed to be in primetime. So, it was uh I mean, it ended up living up to what it was supposed to be.
3: that's U-N-I-F-Y-D dot com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including E.E. system.
1: I'm looking at some of the comments. R1. I was at the game. Best one I have ever witnessed. I mean, you know, in terms of games and like I kept sitting there because we've got so much history. Right. Like even when it would like to me, I think I heard Vince say on on one of the shows over the last few days, maybe Henry said this as well, that. Like he he felt like when it was 21 to nothing, It was over. That's not what I was feeling when it was 21 to nothing because I was sitting there next to Brian and Vince, and I kept saying, because the offense would move the ball, they would get it to around midfield or past midfield, and they would end up punting once again, or, you know, a missed field goal or whatever it would happen to be. When it was 21 to nothing, what I said to those guys was, if the offense could finish one drive, just finish one drive, get it in the end zone, then you've got to feel comfortable. The game is over. Maybe other people felt differently prior to that because Notre Dame's defense had contained Clemson's offense. But you know, like, think about the pump block factor for one. Not only was Notre Dame's pump block unit number one in the nation, Clemson was only one punt block behind him going into that game, fourth in the nation. So, like, at any moment, I just felt like you, you know, there there could have easily been a tide, a, a big tide turning momentum play going the other direction and based on history that we've got with Notre Dame like you have every right to feel like even though it's 21 to nothing nothing is safe this is still a Clemson team that came back just a couple of weeks ago and beat Syracuse after being down pretty uh you know pretty handily so once it was 28 to nothing though I definitely felt like it was over but uh it was it was um It was just it was crazy. It was fun from start to finish. It was it was a really good environment.
2: This is one of those. Yeah, this is one of those games that I wish, you know, that I I could have been at for that reason. Cause I was talking to Vince about this, just all the games that I had gone to over the you know X amount of years. It seemed like this is you know, everyone's kind of proclaiming as this one being one of the best ones. And so it definitely has some jealousy factor of not being able to go to the game.
1: Stuart says Stuart from Brooklyn says he's a Notre Dame football fanatic. Very confident there'll be no letdown faith in the entire coaching staff. And that's kind of, you know, did did you see the hype video that came out today, Jess? Oh, yeah,
2: that was, I got goosebumps watching it. (laughs) It was very well done.
1: There was was a lot of good stuff in that hype video that they put out. Little four-minute video with all the highlights and the inside stuff. You know, like the stuff on the sideline and we'll, we'll touch you know touch on that in a minute but just you know like the locker room stuff yeah it, it was it it was great like to me like like seeing that at that halftime it's like they're like they don't want any more of this you know because they're talking about the physical play ramming it down their throat all that stuff and they obviously didn't want any of that and it was it, it was it was a pretty cool video that they put together.
2: I think the number one thing that I took away from the video was not, you know, obviously the coaches are preaching, you know, we, we need to keep, keep at it, we need to keep going, keep going, put our foot on their necks, but you also see the players saying it and getting more intense as they're saying it. And so, you know, it, it just shows of how much a mentality it was and how much they embraced it uh, and, and bought in of this just physical nature and that they weren't going to let up no matter what they wanted to do that all fourth quarters, you know, all 60 minutes and nothing was going to stop them. And it was just really, Nice to see that mentality. I don't think I've ever seen such a dominating mentality from an Notre Dame football team before.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the difference right now. As we kind of get into, you know, Marcus Freeman, it, it it feels like we have finally seen a shift from the old mentality to the new mentality, and not just the mentality, but we saw it exhibited on the field Saturday night in in what Marcus Freeman brings to this team. there There is definitely a different kind of energy and not just enthusiasm, but we're starting to see the coaching stuff at play as well. You know, like just the fact that, that uh, you know, he goes over to Michael, like you see in that video, he goes over to Michael Mayer and says, you know, I was nudging Tommy. I, I broke in there, you know, on the headset and I'm telling him, let's throw it. And Tommy's like, you sure? And Freeman says, yeah, let's do it. You know, and that's that's the head coach saying, Let's go for the kill shot. Let's do it right here. Let's take every bit of spirit this other team has. Let's just drain it from their souls and let's go for the kill shot. And they did that. And too many times in the past, you know, the other guy won a lot of games, right? But all that downshifting in the second half that made things, you know, again, it's like we've got that post-BK PTSD. You know, that's where I go back to what I was saying about they needed one more touchdown. I felt like, you know, to make it feel like a really comfortable lead. Like Johnny was saying, it was over at halftime. You know, when you look back on it, by all rights, it was over at halftime. But in the moment, it it definitely felt like they needed more than what they were getting because it was just like, you know, this is still the number four team in the nation and they're hanging around and they're hanging around. You needed a kill shot, and that's exactly what they got Saturday night.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> that pass to Mayor was definitely the nail in the coffin. And, yeah, seeing – I didn't know that that was – I mean, obviously no one knew that that was Freeman's call. And then seeing it in the video, and it, you're right, it just sucked kind of everything out of him. It was that knockout punch, and that that just left Clemson on the canvas for the rest of the evening.
1: While we're sitting here and uh, getting ready to talk more, Marcus Freeman, don't forget smash that like button if you would help us out at Irish Breakdown. Pump us on, up, rate, review, subscribe, like all that good stuff. R one wants a a Navy score prediction. That's coming later in the week. It's 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 Tuesday. (laughs) It's It's too early. (laughs) It's too early for a score prediction right now. But uh, yeah, you know he's also right though. USC is going to be tough at the end of the season. I think I think that it might be one of the more more fun Notre Dame-USC games from both sides that we've seen in a while. Yeah, so so definitely looking forward to that. So I've got a couple of Marcus Freeman's comments from his press conference yesterday that I wanted to uh, start off with. And, you know, we saw, again, a much different Notre Dame team Saturday night than, you know, what – we've seen in a long time I think you know one that not only smacked Clemson in the mouth but they kept smacking him in the mouth didn't take the foot off the gas and I think we've started to see a different Marcus Freeman on the sidelines you know talked about that he's the one who decided to call that touchdown pass you know one who isn't just there but who seems more actively involved in everything and I asked him about it and this is a little bit edited down version of what he said, but here's what he talked about in terms of the sideline demeanor that we're seeing from Marcus Freeman right now.
4: You no, know, I think it's a reflection of this position you're in. Every day you get more and more comfortable, you learn something else, you know. Where I was in Oklahoma State and Ohio State as a head coach on the sideline is different to where I am now, and, and hopefully it's going to be different in another game or two games from now. Um, you know, part of it is is having conviction in the things you say, right? And if, if I feel strongly about something, I thought Drew, I thought it was hard. I just looked and I thought it was, so I, I was upset, you know, and. and as our team quickly reminded me, nobody's worth fifteen yards and I thought I had a fifteen yard penalty and that was devastating. I had a strong conviction of what I thought was a target call. It wasn't, you know, and after seeing the replay and talking to the officials it wasn't. But, you know, those are all parts about growing in this position. You know, be able to tell these referees things you see. Um, you know, it may be getting the, the morale of the group going, you know, it might be a group that's kinda just flatline a little bit. we got to get them going. And, and or it's uh going over to Lorenzo Styles. who dropped the ball. And after you drop that catch, you saying, you're all right. Next time it comes, you catch the ball. We're good. Right? i got to almost belief in you. you know? and it's what is needed in those moments. right? And sometimes <laughs> you have to get after people's behinds. That might be needed from the head coach. Sometimes you got to tell them you believe in them. Everything's going to be fine. All your guesstimate. Fumble the ball a couple games ago. You'll be all right. Next time we give you the ball. Hold on to it. You know, and so it's just what's needed at that moment um, that I'm still learning, still out.
1: Pushing the right buttons, you know, we're, we're starting to see more of that. And again, more of him sort of both asserting himself and injecting himself when he needs to. Just like, you know, again, they're up there. You could just keep pounding that ball, but you were then striking distance. You're in the red zone and Marcus Freeman gets on the headsets and says, hey, Let's throw this ball. And, of course, they end up throwing to Michael Mayer. And it ends up being the record-breaking touchdown for Michael Mayer to, to, to break the Notre Dame touchdown record and all that stuff. What do you think of the this this sort of evolution in what we continue to see from from Marcus Freeman now as a head coach?
2: Yeah, I think that the evolution that we're seeing is just kind of an overall more aggressiveness of being in the moment and deciding what is best for his team um, in the moment. And I think that's kind of what he was trying to relay uh, in, in, in his response yesterday is so often it's hard to know what your team needs in a specific moment. And that's kind of what he's been, you know, kind of analyzing throughout the year, as well as, you know, the team's growth of his growth as a coach and, and knowing what he needs to be in certain moments for a lot of his players. So um, that, that, and that showed up in a form of having, you know, like you said, a lot of conviction uh in his defense of Drew Pine and that targeting call and that's what was needed specifically in the moment and you know for his team and everything else of they're in this mentality of you know we're not giving up we're going to fight you know to the end and and the coach needed to show that as well in the moment so i think that that's been the kind of number one overall takeaway uh from his change in demeanor
1: yeah, i think he's he's you know like early on he had the look like he wasn't really sure how he was supposed to react to some things and, you know, like I got to keep my cool or, or whatever, you know, stay composed, all that different kind of stuff. This is obviously a guy, not necessarily emotional, but a a guy who's very enthusiastic, you know, that's, that's obviously the way he carries himself and it's fun, you know, like you could see him kind of, you know, sticking that chest out, you know, walking the sideline and after the game as well, and deservedly so at this point, because it's You know, I don't want to say, and I know Brian, they did a show about this earlier today. I don't want to say they've turned the corner because I think the real corner now comes these next two games. And I've seen some people, you know, kind of saying it in here. It's not just about what you do in a big game like this, but now what do you have to do? You can't let up against Navy this weekend because, yeah, the option, you know, it gives everybody a hard time. And then Boston College, you never know. The week after you got Phil Djokovic coming back in with his emotion and all that kind of stuff. And this, you know, we broke these splits down. They are now four and one against ranked teams this season with the only loss being Ohio State and a big win over Clemson. But they're also two and two against unranked teams. And the two losses are to teams with sub 500 records this season. So now you've got to show you're not just going to get up for the big teams on the schedule. You're going to get up for everybody and you're going to go out and you're going to lay it to them and not, not play one of these, you know, closely contested games, triple option or not. So to me, that is still, that is, you know, kind of that lingering elephant in the room, I guess, you know, how are you going to, are you going to show that you can not just get past Navy, definitely beat Navy, But are you going to do it in the same convincing fashion that you just beat the formerly number one team in the nation?
2: Yeah, for me, turning the corner is about consistency. And consistency is playing with the same intensity every week. You have to play against – if you can run the ball like that against Clemson and play like that defensively against Clemson, then how come you couldn't play with that same intensity and everything else against Stanford? That's the consistency that's needed. If you can dominate a a number five Clemson for that – It it shouldn't take a ranking and who Clemson is to get up for that game. That that same, you know, intensity needs to be consistently brought every week. And I think when we see that, that's when you can make the statement that they're turning a corner, when they're consistently dominating the good teams and the teams, uh, and, and really dominating, blowing out the teams that are, you know, inferior to them.
1: Now, Notre Dame had an elaborate scheme to keep Clemson from stealing its signs. Saturday night. Had you heard about this before I sent you the email today to talk about this? I don't believe so. So, Clemson has been notorious for stealing signs. So, Notre Dame's got three signalers, and they're holding up large signs on the sidelines to relay in calls from the field. So, each of those three wore a different colored Shirt. One of them had red, one of them had purple, one of them had bright yellow. Now, apparently there was a blue one too, because I saw a photo that uh, someone from Notre Dame took yesterday of all the shirts and there was a blue one. So they were rotating it. I didn't see the blue one when it was going on. But while we're in the press box, I think it was during the first time out of the night, one of the guys sitting just to our left had his binoculars out and he was watching these guys. They go into the injury tent, and at the top of the injury tent, there's like a slit, you know, like a screen, kind of like it's still blue, but you could see through it a little bit. It's kind of a ventilation slit, I guess. So he's got the binoculars out, and he can see these guys taking off their shirts, different colored shirts, in the tent, and then they all trade shirts. So it was all, you know, part of this elaborate design To throw off Clemson, to not let them know, okay, who's the guy with the hot sign, you know, who are the decoys, and all that kind of stuff. It's really, I mean, it's it was very elaborate. And again, Marcus Freeman was asked about this at the press conference yesterday, and here's what he had to say about it. I didn't
4: didn't know we're gonna have them big old boards up there until I saw him on the sideline right before the game. You know, it's, listen, it's a little bit of gamesmanship, right? Part of it is, you know, acting like we're, you know, trying to prevent people from stowing our signals. You know, if somebody wants to stow signals, they can. What we have to do is continue to find different ways to make sure teams can't. Those big boards aren't going to be the only way a team can steal signals. And so, <laughs> the ability to change your signals, who's live, the ability—it's it's gamesmanship. It's a part of the game of football. And if you don't think it's real, then your signals are going to be stolen. And uh, that's a challenge for me to the coaching staff is find a better way to do it. You know, it's our job to make sure nobody steals our signals, no matter who the opponent is.
1: I thought that last point was was pretty key. If you don't think it's real, your your signs are going to be. Stolen. You might as well just be giving them what, you know, like if you ain't cheating, you're, you're not trying. And on the other side, if you're not even trying to conceal them, you're going to give them up. You know, why even bother having the signs you you've, you've done all this before Jess. And, you know, you've been part of the, you know, like, like one guy's hot, one guy's decoy and all this stuff. What, what do you think about this whole thing that they had going on Saturday?
2: yeah like he said you know it's it's smart to to you know throw some sort of wrinkle in especially when playing a team like clemson and someone a team that's been you know they, they look for stuff like that they have people smart enough to kind of figure those things out um and anything you can do to not essentially get caught or give the other team any sort of advantage uh is all fair game and like he said there's there's other things that are you know the signs are not the end all be all like Pre, pre-snap pre you know there's tendencies you know certain motions you know certain things are likely to happen and so it's just kind of building your case or giving you more confidence essentially for what you think is going to happen but it's just a smaller piece of the puzzle kind of like trying to de you know crack the play uh before the play actually happens yeah i thought it was
1: uh, it was it was definitely entertaining to watch and we watched it for a little bit and then of course you know went back to watching the game uh <laughs> as opposed to the uh the multicolored shirts on the sideline. Real quick before we get to your whiteboard tonight, college football playoff rankings of course come out in a little bit. Brian and Vince are going to have the uh, the show in about an hour here. I think the question, the biggest question, is what's going to happen to Tennessee? Maybe you think there's another question. Do you think Tennessee is going to stay in the top four? Do they fall out of the top four after being number one last week and then losing to Georgia?
2: It's tough to say because you know it, they didn't they didn't show a whole lot offensively against a good you know defense and then vice versa a good uh, a good you know a pretty good offense seemed to get ahead of them and, and that was the thing you know Tennessee's built around having a good offense and I don't think that they're built to come back especially against a good defense like Georgia and so I it's hard because they've had a good other resume to date and i don't think that losing to an another undefeated team should potentially you know knock you out of the, the top four the top five i think that they've shown more than some of these other teams um and, and like michigan i think they're more battle tested than what michigan is i think michigan would run into the same issues if they played georgia um i think that you know they're better i think Clemson that they're they're more battle tested than Clemson you know either even though both teams kind of lost in similar fashions this weekend I still think that they're ahead of them so I I don't think Tennessee should drop too far but obviously they're going to drop a few spots
1: uh I see that that uh we brought in a troll tonight okay cool (laughs) all right yeah so um yeah, I I agree with what you're saying. You know, I think you know. Big question: Where's TCU going to be? Like, is Tennessee going to stay ahead of TCU right, yeah. because they're undefeated? Alabama was ahead of them last week. Will, will we see both Ohio State and Michigan in that top four? You know, we know Georgia is going to be up there. I would suspect that they'll go to number one. Alabama will fall a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think think because Tennessee was number one last week and they have the win over Alabama already I think that they'll only fall to number four I do think they'll stay in the top four but it could be wrong you know I guess we'll find out here in about an hour or so you think do you think Ohio State and Michigan will both be ahead
2: of them I do uh definitely Ohio State uh and Michigan's tough um I don't know. I, I, it, It's up there. <laughs> I think that they'll put them there for now, knowing kind of their big test is obviously to come. And so that gives them reasoning for if they lose, then other teams will obviously slide up. But I think for now, Michigan will be in front of them, unfortunately.
1: They did get crushed by Georgia, Charlie, yeah. which is, I was surprised. But um, I still think, I don't know. I, I, because of the win over Alabama, like all that, it's like that, all that SEC with them playing each other and, and the committee has a history of doing this kind of thing. They're, they're not afraid to keep a one loss team, especially when you're talking about the SEC, they're not afraid to keep them up ahead of some unbeaten teams. So like you can still say, okay, Tennessee, yeah, they got crushed by Georgia, but who's TCU played? You know, that's that's a question that the the committee has to answer. So now by the end of the season, if TCU is sitting there unbeaten, I don't think they're going to get left out of the playoff. But for right now, I won't be shocked if they're still sitting here
2: on the outside looking in tonight. I think the big question is, where do you have Notre Dame falling in the, the playoffs eyes? How far up
1: will they be in the top 25 this week? They finally, you know, they showed back up in the AP and coaches' polls. Where are they going to be in the college football playoff? Because then that's a benefit as well for, for both Ohio State and even Clemson to an extent. North Carolina, it, USC. North Carolina, that's right, that's right. It definitely helps the ACC, that's for sure. And we'll address some college football playoff, Notre Dame, you know, ACC-related stuff and rapid fire coming up in a little bit as well all right so you got your whiteboard ready to go here yeah
0: without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
5: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.
2: So uh, we briefly yesterday, we talked about you know how successful Notre Dame was on the perimeter uh, against Clemson, and ultimately that is what kind of shut down Clemson. So today I just kind of wanted to get into uh, just a little bit of kind of what what Clemson was trying to do and how Notre Dame responded uh, and and why, you know, in, in nickel, in, like I said, I talked about this yesterday, but in nickel, you're, you're essentially removing a linebacker and putting a guy out there like Tariq Bracey, who's better in coverage, but obviously you take a disadvantage um, in the run game. And it's a roll of the dice because they Clemson is going to do certain things to kind of manipulate that matchup. And that's what I'm going to try to show here through a couple of their plays is how okay. they were trying to manipulate Notre Dame in the nickel. And how Notre Dame kind of responded, and obviously were able to shut it down. So I will bring up some screens. Got it. Ready? Yeah. All right. Yes. Here we go. So tried some new things this week. Uh, hopefully it's easier <laughs> to look at. So right now, this is actually Clemson's very first play of the game. It is eleven personnel with two wide receiver. Sorry, the ball is on the left boundary. Two wide receivers into the boundary. Then you have an H back or a wing back also in the boundary um halfback is aligned to the boundary so essentially you have four people uh, into the boundary the halfback uh the wingback and the two wide receivers and then to the field side you have the one wide receiver quarterback is in shotgun and then i also tried a new feature here where you can see based on motion how the defensive players are shifting and this is kind of a big aspect uh I
1: like, I like how you put the numbers of the defensive players too so we can see who's who out there
2: yeah and that's that's the big that that, that sorry in this explanation this is kind of the big part of it is knowing who's where and kind of where they're trying to go with the ball because of who is where on the field for Notre Dame okay. defensively. So uh, when I hit play here, you'll see the number two wide receiver into the boundary go into motion and you'll see the linebacker shift with the motion and kind of what it creates here. So hike the ball and then you see the, the motion man go uh and, and the linebackers switch over. And then after the motion, you kind of see, the wide receivers and the, the wingback and, you know, their route and and where they're headed. So I'll hit pause this time kind of right towards the end. So everyone's everyone, this motion is going to the field side and the linebackers are shifting field side. And so that puts a running back on -on one-on-one essentially with Bertrand, who's now shifting to the field side. Maris becomes your kind of over the ball linebacker. And that mainly that's going to be your run support and then over here, Tariq Bracey is now kind of setting the edge here. And why this is important is because they've set the pass strength into the boundary, meaning that bracy's is going to be the guy into the boundary. Set technically, you can call him, it's like a rover, right? A hybrid of a safety uh, and a linebacker. And he's going to be into the boundary here because that's technically where the pass strength is, right? On, on pre-snap, you have two wide receivers into the boundary. That's going to set the pass strength. And that's why Bertrand's to the field side because the, the run strength is technically uh, um, to the field side. And so when they hike the ball and this motion happens, they put everyone's eyes to the field side, but all they're trying to do is leak this wing into a screen or a flare out here. And that's going to put him one-on-one uh, with Tariq Bracy. And why that's significant is because that's like a Michael Mayer. That's like tied in. And now right. we have Bracy, a smaller kind of safety you know, not not beefy like a linebacker who now has to go out into the flat. He's and, your
1: nickel, basically. Yeah, yeah. he's
2: now got to go into the flat and make a one-on-one tackle against this big tight end. And so that's the matchup that Clemson was continuously looking for. And so they do this motion, you know, they divert your eyes to the field side, but really they're just going to throw this backside almost flare screen and get Bracey, uh one-on-one with the tight end. And then that puts even more stress on Morrison over here because Morrison – has to fight off this block Get and help block. out Bracey, obviously. And, and the entire time they're just trying to funnel everything to the sideline. So Morrison is going to work inside of this guy, and Bracey's going to work to, you know, they're going to essentially gonna take a shoulder. Uh Morrison's gonna take the upfield shoulder, Bracey's gonna take the backfield shoulder, and they're both gonna try to work him out of bounds. But that's the stress that you know, that Clemson's motion pre-snap, and then and Nick Notre Dame being a nickel, and why there was such a huge param- or, or emphasis on on the perimeter play and specifically how physical some of these guys like Bracey, Cam Hart, you know, Morrison had to play out here in order for them to, to, to stop these plays. Right. Um, And then I'll go into, I have another one kind of again, showing a different matchup that they were getting into, but similar concept. So this play again is left hash. Uh, It is a 11 personnel three wide receivers to the, to the uh, field side, and then one wide receiver into the boundary. Um, Again, they're going to go motion here and they're going to take their number three wide receiver and go motion to the boundary. And then they're going to flare out their halfback to the field side. So kind of like, again, they're, they're moving you with motion to one side, but then they're going to flip back a quick pass to the other side. So again, I'll show motion. I have the numbers kind of showing where everyone is Uh, you have, Maris Leofow is the linebacker into the boundary. You have Bertrand over the middle, and then you have Bracey uh, to the field side. And again, this is because of, of pass strength. Bracey is always going to be lined up to wherever the predetermined pass strength is going to be. And in a three-by-one set, three wide receivers, clearly the three-wide receiver side is going to be where Bracy is because that's the pass strength. Uh, and so when they go in motion like this, they're going to create a two-by-two, two, two wide receivers to the field. Two wide receivers into the boundary, and now Maris has to 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 bump out, uh, and that that's why they want Maris on the field as well. And, and you know Freeman talked about certain linebacker personnel, and you know which guys would play. Well, well, Maris is on the field for this reason. When they go by two by two, he's got to be in pass coverage, right? And so that that is the the main reason you have Bertrand over the middle. That's who you want in the middle because he's your best run linebacker. And now Bracy is obviously shifting down a little bit to close the gap. And what, what this does to Bracy is in a true RPO scheme, this puts Bracy in such a bind because now if they give the ball to the running back, he's got to be able to come down and pinch in the run game. Uh, and, and especially if DJ pulls it, he's going to be, you know, one-on-one uh, him and the safety with DJ on, on the run game there. But for this play uh, they're going pass into the flat again. And this puts again, a lot of pressure on your corner Um, and and nickel guy in this situation because they're flaring the ball out to a halfback again. A halfback is a big, you know, 220 pound guy, good speed, and you're getting him on the edge against Cam Hart, who's a corner, and obviously again, Tariq Bracey. And now both these guys have to fight through one on one blocks and then, oh, make a tackle against a running back in open field. And so that's a lot of what the night included was these cornerbacks just punching these wide receivers, getting off of blocks. Uh, and making these plays in space. But again, Clemson did all of this work to get motion, you know, they're motioning and Notre Dame shifts their play to the motion to the left, but now they're going to throw the screen backside to the right because of this one-on-one matchup that they have with Notre Dame's undersized, uh, you know, Rover linebacker out here in the flat. But then again, this works for them in this case, because of, you know, Bracy's speed, he can close the gap to get to the halfback.
1: Well, you you know, to, to Clemson's credit going in, Notre Dame had not shown that they could be good at that. You know, what what you're talking about, being able to fend off those blocks, being able to tackle in space, do that kind of stuff. Clemson thought that, you know, that that's what they were going to do, that they could make it easy, essentially, for Uyangalele to make those short throws and let some of those bigger bodies, like 84, like... Marcus Freeman was talking about with Benjamin Morrison, you know, that big tight end type body, like you better go low if you're gonna bring him down. And that's that's what they had to do. And they did such a great job of getting out there and rallying to the ball and just going to the ball. And, you know, so it wasn't just one guy one on one out there in space. The first guy would get there, but then other guys would rally around the ball, and they were making so many plays that we really hadn't seen him make in that 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 quantity all season.
2: Yeah, and it's just, uh, like you said, the biggest thing is is when you know you have undersized guys and you have to make plays on the perimeter, the job of the first guy is just to get there and stand them up, and then everyone else is relentlessly pursuing to the ball, and that's another thing that Marcus Freeman talked about is just their relentless effort, and it, it was a choice, and the defense made a choice that that's how they were going to play, and that, you know they're going to play for one another, and that's how this type of stuff works is you have to play for one another one another and know that the other guys are going to be there as long as you do your job and stand this guy up
1: yep all right great stuff as always jess is that it for the whiteboard tonight
2: that is all i got everyone
1: all right very good on the whiteboard very good on the whiteboard appreciate it good like you said good stuff the whiteboard will be back on thursday for a little triple option whiteboard talk i believe
2: yeah, get into some of the basics. The I
1: think of you and Brian like are going to be together Thursday because I'm going to be traveling. So
2: Very nice.